Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your garden pal, Nathan Wilson, and as always, I'm so glad that you've decided to join us here in the New Southern Garden. Of course, there's always something new to learn in the wide world of our gardens. I mean, if you were to just step out off your back deck or patio or walk out the front door and walk along your your pathway... Just right there is a whole nother world, a whole nother place with all kind of critters and plants um, from the microscopic up to the very large, like trees. And I think that, of course, um, uh, programs like New Southern Garden hopefully help you to get inspired to be outside. And I know that it's been quite warm and it has been uh, maybe difficult to be outside in the middle of the day, but there are those moments in the mornings when it's cooler and at night when we've got these, you know, long nights with plenty of sunlight. Of course, the sun is setting very late now, and uh, hopefully we'll have a few more weeks of that uh, because that gives us an opportunity after it's cooled down, after some of the heat and the, the intensity of the sun has is, is already settled We can get out and pull weeds, which is, to me, quite therapeutic. I've been doing a lot of that, of course, uh, in my own garden, but at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, where you can find me throughout the week. We've got our wild, um, not wildflower garden, but we've got our cut flower garden going crazy right now. And, of course, the weeds, we're coming with it. So 6,000 square feet of weeding. It's taken us a few days, but uh, it's all looking good there. And... Looking at the flowers that are going on and blooming right now, that's encouraging. You know, it's it's hot, it's dry, uh, we're sweating, but cutting those flowers or, or just looking at them as you pass them in your garden and landscape, it's quite rewarding. And of course, for those of you who are growing vegetables in your gardens, that that's a highly rewarding thing because, of course, you can harvest these vegetables and fruits, whatever, bring them indoors and enjoy them in your kitchen and on your dining table. So there's a lot to look forward to. Here we are, closing out the month of July. And where's this year gone? But we've still got plenty of time to enjoy gardening because we probably won't see our first frost of this season until, uh, well... You know, history tells us maybe the middle of October. That's the date I usually shoot for, but really, maybe into November. That's what we've been having lately. Of course, you may remember this past winter was wild winter. We had single degree temperatures and a lot of freezing. Um, No real snow, though. We didn't have much snow. But who knows what this year will bring and when it will bring it. But all I can say is let's enjoy. Let's enjoy the time that we do have until we have that first frost. Because remember, when the first frost comes, our gardens are going to change dramatically. We're going to see these 
you know, zinnias and cosmos and dahlias, uh, many of our perennial plants, they're going to stop blooming. That first frost is going to take down our tomatoes and take down our peppers. Uh, these plants like, like it hot. And so while we've got the heat, let's enjoy them. But just know um, that I think last week we talked, we may have, you know, up to 90-something days, uh, so less than 90 now, uh, without frost and nice and warm. But the time, times will be changing. But let's enjoy the time, the moment we're in uh, while we're here. And because we're closing out the month of July, today being the last Saturday of the month, we are going to be answering your questions here on New Southern Garden. We've got a great question from Ken here in Cleveland. Um, we're going to talk about something we've, we've only mentioned maybe briefly, and that is beneficial insects. Ken's got some questions about that, and I've got some information to share with you. And I think it's going to be great and fun. And, of course, this is going to take the majority of today's program, Beneficial Insects. But if, if not, we've got some other questions here that we'll get to. So let's go ahead and jump into Ken's question. Of course, like I mentioned, Ken C. is here in Cleveland, Georgia, and he wonders, what are some of the common beneficial insects that we might see in our veggie gardens? Well, Ken, it may not just be our veggie gardens. We may see some of these benef beneficial insects in other areas of the gardens. But of course, when we are growing vegetables, we have those prized fruits those tomatoes, those peppers, squashes, those things can become quite attacked with bad insects. And so having beneficial insects in the veggie garden is quite, criti quite, quite critical. There we go. Um, so with that being said, I'm going to start off by talking about the assassin bugs. Now, the assassin bugs, there are several different species and genres um, or genera, genera is how they say it, not genres, genera, but um, they do tend to be dark in color. Um, some of them can be quite colorful, but the ones I usually see in our area are quite dark. Now, when you're identifying the adults, because they're the ones who are actually consuming bad insects, but when you look at the adults, um, the shape of them, the color, the size, that may all vary from species to species of assassin bugs, but they do all have these long segmented beaks that are curled down below the head, which is kind of odd looking. But then if they are in attack mode, if they're going after their prey, those uh, beaks that were once curled under the head is, uh, are extended uh, while they're feeding. Now, some of these bugs are quite large. They could be up to an inch uh, long. And like I said, Many are dark colored, but some might be quite bright. And one key thing to look for when you're trying to identify these assassin bugs, Ken, is to look at their wings because their wings will lie crossed and flat over their atom, ab abdomen, the, the big chunky part of the, uh, the stomach of the bug, if you will. Um, when they're at rest, those um, wings will lie crossed and lie flat and um, really these bugs are kind of scary looking. The first time I saw them, I thought it was going to hurt me. But what assassin bugs actually eat are usually caterpillars, uh, beetles. They'll eat aphids. That's not a problem. They'll eat flies, leafhoppers, and many more insects. But now a few species, they might actually bite animal, uh, mammals and suck the blood for nourishment. Little vam uh, vampires in the garden, maybe. So with assassin bugs, generally they've, they've never bitten me. 
Um, I don't play with them, but I have. They've fallen on me or flown onto me. I just brush them off. They look scary, but don't be scared. Uh, Just let them be, though. Don't play with them. Don't try to pick them up. If you're going to move them, use a stick or something. I don't know. But uh, you may not want to touch them. But um, the, the nymphs, that's the younger form. The, you know, all insects kind of go through this stage from egg to nymph or larvae and then to adult. They look very similar to these assassin bugs, the adults, but they don't have wings yet. They're wingless. So that's going to be a key uh, for sure. Now, when you're trying to attract these assassin bugs, keep them going. Remember that some of the species lay their eggs in the soil or some protected sites. So, you know, if you're doing a lot of digging and tilling, you may actually not be doing much beneficial. So probably raised beds where we're just pulling plants out and not turning the soil over too much would be very helpful. But then um, some of them lay their eggs in clusters, kind of these barrel-shaped eggs. Look for barrel-shaped eggs in clusters on leaves of plants. So the assassin bug, again, is really a cool bug. They are on the hunt for prey. They are looking for meat, and they are going to be uh, very beneficial, very beneficial. They look scary, and they might bite you. (laughs) So just uh, let them be and do their job. Now, the next uh, bug, beneficial bug, insect that you may have heard of is uh, the lace wings. The lacewings. Now, a lot of times you see a lacewing and you think, oh no, he's probably eating my plants. Well, lacewing adults do eat certain parts of the plants, but they're actually, the adults may feed on nectar. So that's not a problem. As a matter of fact, if these lacewings are feeding on the nectar of your plants, then that means they're hopping from one flower to another and helping to pollinate. So they're not just eating bad bugs, but they're also helping to pollinate. As far as... Um, the little lacewing nymphs go, the younger lacewings, some people call them aphid lions, uh, they'll actually eat aphids and insect eggs, mites, thrips, and other soft-bodied insects. So it's really a cool thing. Um, I will mention that these young lacewings, the nymphs, they may actually eat their fellow nymphs. They may eat each other. A bit cannab- a little bit cannibalistic. But knowing that the young form, life form, the young form of the lacewing, they eat a variety, even insect eggs. They eat a variety of insects and are growing. And of course, they'll get their wings and they'll be able to fly and help pollinate your garden too. Now, one of the things to look for is you will probably find lacewing larvae around aphid colonies, like the adults, um, they might go ahead and lay their eggs where the hatching nymphs or larvae would be able to start eating and consuming uh, aphids. So it's a wonderful thing. And some of the adults, uh, you may see them flying on top of flat Um, flat-topped flowers, things like Queen Anne's lace or dill. We're going to talk a lot about dill today. It's a big deal. The dill plant is a big deal when it comes to uh, beneficial insects. But if you do notice, um, with some luck, you might see some of these lacewing eggs, which do appear suspended in air above a leaf. 
but they're actually attached to a thin stalk. So that's kind of one of the key things when you're looking. If you notice these little eggs that look like they're suspended above a leaf in the air, they're actually attached to a thin stalk, but don't damage them because those would be the lacewing eggs. Now, another critical thing to think about, Ken, when you're looking for lacewings is they do best when the temperatures range from 65 to the upper 80s. Now, we've been in the 90s, and so we may not see a lot of lace wings at this time just because of the um, current weather conditions. But they will feed um, little during a long spell of cool weather as well. Um, Now, they don't like arid conditions, dry conditions, so... We might be beneficial after heavy rain. Uh, Of course, we do have a lot of humidity here in the southeast, so we're not like in a desert. They've got tiny little thin lace-like wings, uh, very small bodies, and that's what you want to look for in the adults. You'll know that a lacewing is a lacewing. In the adult, you'll see a slim, pale green insect that's just about three-quarters of an inch long with these very large, transparent, veined wings look a lot like lace and they'll have these long antenna uh, antennae that go back away from their head so uh, you will really be able to notice the adult waist uh, lace wings pretty well ken but these are just a couple of of guys and girls that you'll find in your landscape and in your garden that are beneficial. Um, We've got a few more here on the list, but I do want to say that as we continue our journey today talking about Ken's question on beneficial insects, we'll talk about how to attract some of these. And like I've said, we're going to talk about some of the plants like dill that can really bring in a number of these, these critters. Now, one other critter, Ken, that you may want to be looking for in your landscape that's beneficial, we all probably know this though. That's the lady beetle. The lady beetle. Now, growing up, we called them ladybugs. But, of course, lady beetle is a more accurate name because they are. Now, their larvae looks kind of scary and looks like it would be a bad guy. Because, of course, it's got black and orange spots and these things all on its backside. And they look like a little worm with legs, you know, a tiny little head. Um, Be sure that if you do anything after today's program... Uh, be sure to go to the internet and look for, if you don't know what a lady beetle larva looks like, a lady beetle baby looks like, be sure to look that up. Because when I first saw them, I didn't really know what they were. And they look scary because of their coloring. They're orangey red and uh, black spots and all. And so be sure that you can identify what a lady beetle larva looks like. When we get back from this break, we'll talk more about what the lady beetle does for us and how wonderful she is for our gardens. Hang on tight, gang. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone, so get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well.
So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are answering your questions. Uh, today's question comes from Ken here in Cleveland. Uh, we were we've been ta- talking about beneficial insects because his question says, "What are some of the common beneficial insects that we might see in our veggie gardens?" And I think that this is a great discussion to have this time of year because, of course. There are plenty of insects to go around this time of year. It's hot. There's moisture. Well, here and there, there's moisture. It does seem like it's been getting kind of dry lately. But regardless, there are a great number of insects, and it's a good idea for all of us to brush up on identification, knowing what insects are what. And already today, we've talked about probably one of the most scariest-looking beneficial insects. That's the assassin bug, assassin beetle. They are quite large, maybe up to an inch long. They've got long legs and antennae, and they've got this curled beak that underneath uh, their body, but then it extends out when they are in attack mode and going after their prey. Then, of course, the lace wings, they get their name. They've got these large transparent wings that are uh, veiny. Uh, It looks like lace. It looks like the wings are made out of lace. Very beautiful. And then, of course, the lady beetle, the ladybug. That's where we left off before the break. And when it comes to the ladybug, the larvae, like I said, may have um, maybe bl- sort of blue or black. They will be wingless insects. They sort of look like an alligator. And they have these orange or maybe yellow markings. I call them dots. And short little spines along their body. That makes them look a little bad. It makes them look bad. Um, But that is just the young lady beetle larvae, and you don't want to damage it. You don't want to destroy it. You want to let it grow into the adult larvae, adult lady beetle, which of course are small round beetles. They're usually red or orange, but they could be sort of other shades as well. And many of them do have black spots on the wings. Maybe not all, but many of them do. Now, when it comes to their eggs, I do want to point this out. When it comes to the lady beetle's eggs, because we don't want to damage the eggs either. If we damage the eggs, we won't have the larvae, we won't have the adults. But the uh, eggs of the lady beetle are these orange oval uh, eggs that are laid in clusters on foliage. A lot of these insects do lay their, um, their eggs on foliage. So don't be scared if you see eggs underneath foliage or on top of the foliage. Be sure you identify it first because you don't want to destroy the eggs of any insect uh, until you know what kind of insect it will be. And if it's going to be a good insect, we want to keep those eggs around. So, of course, they can open up and um, hatch into uh, larvae that become adults. Now, when it comes to the diet of these lady beetles, the adults and the larvae actually eat insect eggs. They eat aphids and they eat other soft-bodied insects. That's wonderful because, of course, many of the insects we have problems with, like aphids, are soft-bodied. So having plenty of lady beetles around will be great. Now, another benefit to the adult lady beetle is that uh, she will also eat pollen and nectar and honeydew. Now, let's go ahead and talk about honeydew because uh, we'll talk about that later in the program when we're talking about attracting beneficial insects. But honeydew is the excrement It is the excrement (laughs) of um, usually soft-bodied insects, white flies, uh, aphids, and yes, it's insect poop. It's insect poop, but it's highly nutritious to other insects, maybe, and certain fungus will uh, 
consume this honeydew. Uh, it's probably just a nicer thing to call it as honeydew rather than what it really is. Uh, but that is, it's very sugary, very sweet, and highly attractive. E- even some ants may come for, for honeydew. Um, we do see like black sooty mold, which is an example of a, of a fungal, dis- not really a disease, it's just a fungus that consumes uh, the honeydew and causes that black sootiness on top of your foliage, uh, particularly on things like gardenias. It can happen on most most any plant, but I see it a lot on gardenias this time of year. But anyhow, um, there are two, keep this in mind, there are two non-beneficial lady beetles, um, which are the Mexican bean beetle and the squash beetle, which is sort of a, a minor pest of squash plants. Those are lady beetles, but they're not necessarily beneficial. So be sure you identify uh, the Mexican bean beetle, at least get an idea of what that looks like, and then the squash beetle. So you'll know that even though they may share characteristics as the good lady beetles, they surely are not. Now let's talk about wasps. Wasps. I'll tell you a little story. We have a a playset, of course, at our house for our children. And Eden Rose, who uh, you hear her say, give it a go uh, throughout the program. Uh, she's going to be four this year, but uh, she, she's got a little lisp, sort of. So wasp is, is kind of uh, it's cute for her to say. But of course, on the playground, there are wasps in the uh, make their root, make their, uh, their houses, their nest, sort of high up in, in the rafter, in, in the roof of the playground. It's all wood. So it attracts them. So we're always removing them before we play. Um, but there was one we did not know. A friend of hers was over. There was a wasp nest inside of the tube slide. Be careful of these tube slide, folks, if you got them uh, or go to the park. But if you're not using it for a week or two at a time, they may be building a nest in there. And one of her friends did go down the slide and she said, oh, my face got really hot. But it turned out that a wasp had stung because of that wasp nest being inside of the tube slide. I never would have thought of that. It's a plastic tube slide. Usually they're making their nest on the, uh, on the wood surfaces. So we're not talking necessarily about... Um, uh, the kind, you know, the red wasp and the black wasp and the scary wasps that make our their houses there. But some of these could be. There, there are several genres and thousands of species of these wasps. Now, here is what they eat. The parasitic wasp, they eat pollen and nectar. But uh, that's mainly the, the, uh, the adults. They're eating the pollen nectar on, on your plants. Wonderful, because they're pollinating. But the larvae. They actually feed inside of caterpillars, beetle grubs, aphids, fly maggots, and other types of host insects. Um, Some of the species have larva um, parasitic eggs only. So what's happening is, and maybe you've seen a picture of it, um, you could Google as well to, to kind of get this visualization later. Uh, look up the, the hornworm, the tomato hornworm with para, uh, parasitic wasp eggs because it's a great example and there's plenty of pictures out there. You've got this green hornworm and these white pouches lined up along its back and those are actually the eggs of the parasitic wasp and a poor little grub, poor little caterpillars carrying around these these parasitic eggs. He doesn't really understand it until they hatch and start eating them. 
But who wants the tomato hornworm? Because they devour. Uh, one tomato hornworm can devour your entire tomato plant overnight. And so looking for hornworms that have these parasitic eggs, maybe leave those hornworms. Allow those parasitic wasps to, to consume the larvae uh, or that caterpillar, the hornworm, and then turn into adults and make more eggs. But that is basically what they eat. They eat a wide variety of these young and small uh, insects, but insects that can be quite disastrous, you know. Um, the eggs, of course, are laid on the bodies of the host insects. The larvae uh, usually are little white grubs that feed inside the bodies of host insects. Uh, but then the adults, the adults have these quite narrow, they're quite narrow-waisted. And they may range from the size of a speck. It could be very small, up to three inches long. So again, there are a number of these species of parasitic wasp. But just know they're parasitic wasp because they're laying their eggs uh, on top of or inside of uh, insects that generally are not going to be beneficial to our plants. Uh, but again, um, some of them have these long, they call them ovipositors, which of course are sort of tubes for egg laying, but uh, they kind of look like long stingers. So don't get confused that um, what you're seeing as a stinger on some of these parasitic wasps is actually just a, a mode to lay those eggs inside of other insects. Well, gang, when we get back from this break, we've got a few more bugs to talk about, and then we'll talk about how to keep these bugs in your landscape and in your veggie gardens. It's really important. Hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are talking about pest control in one sense. We're talking about all natural, completely organic, and of course, uh, did I say natural? Yeah, I said natural. <laughs> pest control. Because we're talking about allowing, oh, biological warfare. That's the word I'm looking for. Biological warfare. Remember, biological warfare is where you have these battles going on through the use of biology. And that is what's happening when we introduce or encourage beneficial insects to populate and grow, build a community in our gardens and in our uh, landscape spaces. Because, of course, we've got a case where certain insects are feeding on other insects. And the hope is that the insects that are being consumed are the bad insects, which is why we call the ones doing the eating <laughs> the beneficial insects. And so because today is our Q&A week, it's the last Saturday of the month, uh, we're answering Ken C.'s question from here in Cleveland, Georgia. He says, what are some of the common beneficial insects we might see in our veggie gardens? And uh, I'm going to give you the names. I'm going to give you descriptions. That's what we've been doing. But I do want to encourage you to look some of these up after the show. Look up on that World Wide Web 
There's all kind of photos of different insects uh, that you can find. And that way, when you're out in the landscape, you're not tempted to destroy an insect without knowing that it's a good one or a bad one. We want to keep the good ones and, of course, encourage the good ones to get rid of the bad ones. <laughs> so before the break, we've already talked about the assassin bug, assassin beetle, talked about lace wings, uh, the lady beetle, which ladybugs, what we called it growing up. You may know uh, that one. And we t- we're talking about the parasitic wasp. Now, remember the parasitic wasp, the key feature here, you will know a parasitic wasp is around when you're looking at insects uh, that may have these little pouches, little sacs. These are actually eggs. These may be white or tan. They almost look like a seed sort of projecting on the back of other uh, caterpillars or uh, grubs, things like that. Those, are, those projections are actually the eggs of the parasitic wasp. And that means she is le- is around. She's laid her eggs on a food source. And when those eggs hatch and the larvae come out, the pupa come out, we're going to be eating that insect. Eating like the tomato hornworm is a great example of um, uh, a caterpillar that fr- quite often uh, will be attacked by these parasitic uh, wasp. Now, another group of insects that do a great job a wonderful job of um, protecting our gardens and landscapes are spiders. Um, as a matter of fact, you probably know that. You see that. You see garden spiders, hopefully in your garden. Uh, some may be making their homes in the leaves. Some may be making their homes in trees, maybe around your deck. We have a lot of spiders that make a, <laughs> make a home around our deck and uh, patios. But the idea, of course, is that the adults are eating insects and other spiders, which is good. It's very good. They'll trap them. They'll roll them up. They'll suck the life out of them. Um, and of course, really, garden spiders aren't poisonous to humans. Now, you've got to know that there are plenty of uh, thousands of species of spiders. You really, we really need to know our spiders too. You know, such a big group. Of course, spiders are not insects. They're they have eight legs, not six. Insects have six legs, but they are um, arachnids. They're arachnids. Um, I think they're more closely related to the scorpions than they are insects. But the idea here is that um, most garden spiders are not going to be poisonous to humans. They're going to be safe. Now, I don't play with them. I don't touch them. I let them do their own thing. Uh, but you do need to be sure you identify the, the spiders that you're seeing around your garden and around your house. We want to be safe because there are some poisonous spiders, of course. Um, the black widow spider, she hides under rocks. She's usually not hanging around in your vegetable plants. She's usually in cold, dark places underneath something. She likes to hide. But we do have to know the, well, the brown recluse is a Georgia spider, quite poisonous. But we rarely see those, actually. They're, they're highly poisonous, but they're not really... Uh, that prevalent. Now, spiders in general, they like straw mulch, so keep that in mind. 
have some straw mulch. You'll have more spiders. Uh, and, of course, they like permanent plantings where they can seek shelter, maybe during unfavorable weather like the terrible storms we've had lately. Uh, but garden spiders often build their webs in full view, so you'll know it, you'll see it, you'll be right there at it. And you may spot the spider resting in the web uh, before you even notice the web itself. That is true, which is, is helpful because... If you don't notice the web, if you notice the spider first, you won't run into the web. But if you don't know that the spider's there, you may actually run into the web and, of course, get all that sticky web all over you. But remember, if there are poisonous spiders native to your region, you've got to know how to identify them just in case they show up in your garden, because they may. This is nature, after all. Usually, you're not going to see many poisonous ones, but we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful. Of course, spiders being um, arachnids, they're not insects. They have those eight legs. Uh, they can be different colors, shapes, sizes, for sure. Now, uh, spiders are laid in egg sacs, and then they just get bigger and larger. Um, and they do have a very, usually spiders have a very large, uh, prominent abdomen, big belly, big round belly at some point. Um, so spiders are good. Spiders are good, but we do want to be as careful as we can uh, I don't know. If, if you don't have to touch a bug, don't touch it. If you don't have to touch a spider, don't touch it, right? <laughs> but know what insects, know what spiders you do have around. And, and make sure that they're safe. Make sure that they're safe. Uh, let's see. The last insect I want to give you, Ken, before we talk about attracting and maintaining some of these uh, insects in your landscape is the spine soldier bug, which I have seen uh, but really didn't know what that it was called, a soldier bug, or really what it did. The beauty of these soldier bugs is that they are in the stink bug family. And really, uh, these insects are only seen uh, down here in the south, maybe Midwest. Um, but what do they eat? Well, they eat caterpillars, including army worms, cabbage loopers. They eat beetle grubs, uh, including the Mexican bean and the Colorado uh, potato beetle. So this is a good, uh, good defender of uh, your bean plants, uh, flea beetles, and they'll also eat plant sap, but they're really not harmful to plants, so they will suck some sap, but again, not like some of these other creatures just consume and devour and destroy. And kind of like our, um, was it our lacewing or assassin bugs? <laughs> Uh, the nymphs, the soldier bug nymphs, will eat other soldier bug nymphs as well. They're a bit cannibalistic, like Cain and Abel. I guess they're like Cain and Abel. They like to eat their, their own. <laughs> but uh, the, the eggs, like many of these insects, you'll find them laid in clusters on the leaves. And the nymphs will look a lot like the adults, but they won't have wings. Uh, the young nymphs are going to be quite rounded, and they're going to have a, a body shape that develops as they grow. That leads us Here's a brief description of the adults. They are a shield shape. They are. I mean, they look a lot like a shield if you look at them from the top down. They sort of are grayish brown with pointy uh, shoulders, and they have a brown spot near the tip of each wing. That's pretty, uh, pretty easy to see there. Now, the spine soldier bug, like I said, is part of the stink bugs, which some, some of these stink bugs are plant pests. So be sure you identify the uh, spined soldier bug as opposed to other stink bugs that can be major plant pests. 
So, Ken, there are some common... Now, there are plenty other insects that you're going to find in your garden um, that are beneficial. So, be sure to maybe check out your local extension service, uh, check the UGA information, and see if you can learn some more. But those are some that I see quite often or see signs or evidence of, particularly with those parasitic wasps. I have seen plenty of caterpillars with the parasitic wasp eggs lined up on its back. And these are good bugs. And I think the the critical thing uh, that we all need to maybe think about is being able to identify. You know, I'm not really a bug guy. I'm not an entomologist. I don't really love to just look at bugs and deal with them. But I think as gardeners, it's a practical thing to know the insects that are in your garden, that, you know, which ones are problems and which ones are beneficial. Now, some may just, just be hanging around, having a good time, enjoying the short life that they have <laughs> left on earth. But of course, many of these are going to be working for you. Many of these are going to be going into your landscape and consuming the bad insects. Now remember, from nature's point of view, from our garden's point of view, maybe it's, are there good? Are there bad? I mean, from the wildlife perspective, there's nothing good or bad, but when it comes down to identifying a bug as bad, identifying, identifying a bug as good, it tells us what's important to us. You know, if something is consuming our tomato plants or if something is devouring our squash, we would say that's a bad bug. They're just looking for a meal. But thank goodness we have this group of bugs, bugs, <laughs> bugs this group of bugs that we call uh, good bugs, beneficial bugs, because these bugs are now consuming the ones that we've identified or classified as bad. So with that being said, remember that if we're going to try to attract beneficial insects and keep them around, we want to supply them with the things they need. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, attracting birds and keeping birds uh, in the landscape. We've talked about pollinators, keeping pollinators, and pollinators are generally insects, uh, and they need certain things, but beneficial insects that are going to consume other insects and keep our gardens a little happier, they need things too. Of course, they need to be fed, but they do need shelter, um, and then they need cert- they need water, they need certain things, and I think that if we can supply these critters with an environment, with a habitat, that, that gives them everything they need then we are going to be, they're going to be happy, and we're going to be happy. We're going to have happy lives because we're not having to deal with so many pest problems. Um, We do have to remember that uh, many of these insects start out as eggs. Uh, They're going to uh, hatch and develop into the the larva, maybe a pupae phase, uh, nymphs, and then, of course, adults. There's a life cycle here, and each life cycle may need something different in order to, uh, to be fulfilled. But when they're not out eating and feeding, we know they need sheltered spots from the sun, uh, maybe from, from wind in order to take a rest. And also, they do spend a lot of energy seeking out their prey. So many of these beneficial insects, they need to supplement their diet of insects with pollen. That gives them high amounts of protein. And then they may use nectar from plants, uh, flowers, nectar from flowers for carbohydrates. So these insects, like I said before, they spend only maybe one phase of their lives, usually the larval phase, consuming other insects. The adults kind of are exclusively nectar feeders. 
So that middle phase, that larval phase, is what is quite critical uh, to do that. So, for example, take that parasitic wasp, right? They feed inside of the bodies of the caterpillars or on insects, but the wasp, we've already mentioned, they tend to feed on flowers, which is not a problem. We don't mean eat the petals, right? We mean they're eating the pollen or eating the nectar, trying to get that um, carbohydrate and that protein that is so critical so that they can then lay more eggs and the cycle continues. So we're coming up on a break, but when we get back, I'm going to give you some top tips, if you will, on how to uh, position your garden, small things you can do, little things you can do. Some of these are so easy. uh, Why not do it? But these things are going to help attract beneficial insects and keep them here in your garden. You'll be making a home for them in your very own space. Hang on tight. We'll be right back with more. Hey, gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are answering your questions, and our question of uh, discussion today comes from here in Cleveland. Ken C. uh, sent us this question about what are some of the common beneficial insects we might see in our veggie gardens, and we've already talked about a number of these things. We've talked about the assassin bug, the assassin beetle, uh, the lace wings, the lady beetle, some people call it lady bug, uh, parasitic wasps, spiders, and the... um, the little stink bug, <laughs> the little stink bug, the spined soldier bug. Not all stink bugs are good, but the spined stink bu- spined soldier bug uh, is quite beneficial. Does a little bit of sap sucking out of plants, but really not anything of major concern. Now, before the break, we were talking about how do we encourage these insects to stay in our landscape? What are some things we can do? And some of these things we can do are so simple and easy. Um, but before the break, we were talking how uh, even though many of these beneficial insects are eating other insects, that that eating of other insects really happens for the most part uh, with these guys and girls at a younger stage uh, in their life cycle. Remember, these bugs are going from uh, egg to larva, pupae, maybe nymph stage. Uh, and then, of course, uh, they go into an adult phase. But it's that nymph stage that really we see a lot of the consuming of other insects. However, along the way, uh, and as they become adults, as they become adults, many of these are quite exclusively just eating on pollen and nectar. So remember, having plenty of pollen and nectar in the vicinity is going to keep them around. If these adults can't find pollen and nectar, 
particularly that's coming from flowers, they can't find flowers, then they won't hang around long at all. But we want them to hang around. So being able to have plenty, plenty of flowers where they can find pollen and nectar is going to be critical. Another thing you may think about is a living mulch. Now, a living mulch is a way of actually acquiring uh, a bit of these these flowers, too. So, for instance, um, you may have some garden beds or edges or maybe ground cover that's uh, planted in sweet clover, buckwheat. We don't really talk about these usually, but these are quite beneficial plants uh, for beneficial insects. They do provide with their flowers. They will provide uh, nectar and pollen, but they also provide excellent shelter for beneficial insects. So these are essentially cover crops. And any space where you're sort of abandoned, you're not doing much with, if you can put that in a cover crop, uh, you will surely see more beneficial insects on the rise. And of course, nectar from your crops itself. Remember, maybe some of your broccoli. You know, usually when we're growing broccoli, we are uh, harvesting the broccoli before the flowers open. But you may let some of the broccoli plants go ahead and bloom. You may let some of the kale or the mustard plants go ahead and flower in the spring and in the fall. And that right there will allow beneficials to, um, to have that source of, of pollen and nectar. Now, what about in your pathways? Well, if you used uh, pathways that were made out of turf grass or sod of some kind, that is a great, sod is a great, uh, or turf grass is a great pathway in between beds and uh, garden spaces. But it, it also is beneficial to these insects, particularly like, say, ground beetles. The ground beetles will live in the sod or the soil that's under the sod, but they will actually venture as far as 10 feet all over into your garden beds. And we didn't talk about ground beetles, but they are a great beneficial insect to have. They'll attack plenty of things. And you do want to keep any of your pathway um, uh, grass, your pathway turf grass or sod mowed quite low. You want to keep it short because if it's long grass, uh, you may see mammals coming around like voles they may hang out and grasshoppers they're going to love very tall grass i tell you anytime i'm cutting very tall grass i get covered in grasshoppers but short grass doesn't seem to attract them now instead of maybe uh using that living material the turf grass as a pathway because it needs maintenance you'll have to mow it probably weekly if not more but straw wheat straw is a good uh another good material to create a habitat for beneficials insects but just remember that as the straw breaks down, you need to renew it. So you may have to renew that straw once or even twice during the growing season. The hotter it is, the faster straw will break down. Now, bark mulch. Bark mulch is also a good um, habitat for spiders. And you know in the past, I've encouraged you to get those free clippings and trimmings, uh, tree trimmings, uh, chip drops, whatever they call them, that these arborists are, or tree companies are trying to get rid of. Put it to use in your landscape. Now, what about growing some herbs? Herbs are wonderful. Of course, most vegetable gardens may include uh, a perennial crop, maybe asparagus. I've had asparagus in my uh, vegetable garden, but having a perennial crop is a good idea as well. And perennial herbs, perennial herbs. So rosemary, I've gone on and on about how great rosemary is, but thyme or mint 
You may want to keep mint in containers or a contained uh, root barrier area. It can go crazy, but these are bushy herbs, and they pr- provide a great source of shelter for beneficial insects. And like when the case of mint, even though I don't love to put mint in the ground, uh, mint flowers are quite suitable feeding uh, for small parasitic wasps as well. Some of those parasitic wasps, remember, you can't even really see. And these flowers on the mint is just perfect for it. Now, dill. I promised you earlier we're going to talk about dill. Dill is a big deal. If you grow dill, allow some of those plants to go to flower, allow some of those flowers to set seed, and then take the seed heads and just shake it into a garden bed or at the margin, the edges of your garden. Now, you're going to have a lot of plants pop up, but it's easy to pull out most of the seedlings that you don't need and leave a few stray plants here and there because that is going to uh, provide some flowers. The, the, if you allow those flowers to unfurl, um, they are going to be able to bring many beneficial insects right to your crops. So the idea would be to plant the dill nearby your vegetables or in between your vegetables and then having flowers sent up right in between kind of that space uh, above your squash, that airspace right above your squash plants, that's going to attract these beneficials to come to to this very attractive flower, the dill flower. And then, of course, they'll venture out into other areas of your landscape. Now, a few other things, kind of rapid fire here. Uh, You may actually not even uh, need to do much in your garden, but how about the space in between you and your neighbor or you and the road? Is there anything going on there? Maybe put a buffer in those areas. Use ornamental grasses, uh, maybe some trees and shrubs, perennials, uh, maybe dwarf fruit trees, because fruit trees are a wonderful source of early season pollen and nectar, of course. They bloom super early. Um, Leave leaf litter. Leave the litter underneath your plants. Don't manicure underneath your plants. Let some of those leaves build up underneath the bases of your shrubs and trees. That litter is a perfect place for insects to live and habitat, uh, habitize, habitize, I don't know. Another thing is don't use bug zappers. Ban the bug zappers. As studies show that the bug zappers actually kill more good bugs than they do bad bugs. It's terrible. And one last thing to think about is water. Water is a critical thing because, of course, water, everything needs water. But when you give these beneficial insects water, make sure it's a shallow pan or something very thin, just one or two inches deep. Well, Ken, I hope that helps answer your questions about common and beneficial insects and how to grow them. So for WRWH 93.9 FM uh, and New Southern Garden, I'm Nathan Wilson. Give it a go. And I hope you stay well and grow well. See you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.